I cried at Luca this last week, I think. <gasps> it so. was so mm. cute. <laughs> There's a movie with Liam Neeson voices like a tree when a, a monster calls. And that's the saddest movie I've ever seen. And me and my wife went and saw that. And afterwards, we're still crying when we were leaving the theater. And we couldn't even talk to each other for like five minutes. <laughs> that's beautiful. When media can so, merit that emotion. Yeah, don't watch that one. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons and Degrees. My name's Adrian. And I'm Alex. And today we have a special guest. Special guest, introduce yourself. Oh, oh wow. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Justice. I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Uh, hi, my name is Justice. I am an Iranian-American game designer and goblin at Beetle and Grimm's, written for a few uh, different RPG companies, MCDM, Beetle and Grimm's, obviously, and I've done some work for uh, Dungeons & Dragons on their Adventures League side and uh, some other places as well. I think that's enough. What a nice portfolio. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to speak with you. Yeah, likewise. What I wanted to kind of start off with, which kind of like put me on to like what the subject of today was this ability to kind of balance this life outside of the creative endeavors and what your main job is but when we talked you had say i had just left so i i still want to know kind of this i guess time frame or not time to your scheduling and just how you made time to pursue this creative endeavor and your main job so i guess mm -hmm. the theme would You're be like scheduling. healthcare yes exactly yeah so i was a clinic manager uh, for a surgical clinic uh, in texas i managed about Two departments of about anywhere from 10 to 20 people, five surgeons. And at the time, I was freelancing and working part-time uh, for Beale and Grimm's. Um, I was mostly writing for the Dungeon uh, Masters Guild at that point, um, working on different projects there, trying to build up a portfolio worthy of sending to some of these larger companies. Work-life balance is kind of an interesting subject <laughs> when you're when you're in such a very vastly different field from what you're wanting to do my father he's a first generation immigrant from iran and i was talking about this really recently with somebody else about the idea of uh, pocs just knowing the story all too well of you know don't pursue creative careers uh, there's no security in that you have to, you have your choices. You can become a doctor, a lawyer, you know, something like that. But anything anything creative is a no no. It's a fine outlet, but don't take it too seriously. I remember when I was uh, doing community theater, my parents would tell me like almost on a weekly base basis, um, but you're not going to make this your career, right? And I would say, no, 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 no. I just like doing it. So fast forward, probably like five, six years later when I was getting my MBA, I just kind of realized that I wanted to do something else. So I got a more general MBA with a specialization in healthcare, kind of knowing that at some point I would want to make a leap into something that wasn't healthcare. And uh, yeah, so when I became a manager, I just started writing. And I would write on my lunch breaks. Uh, sometimes if work was 
uh, really kind of slow, I might pop open a Google Doc <laughs> and start plugging in some ideas. Or if they popped into my head, I'd write it on a sticky note or something at work. Uh, and then when I got home, uh, that was kind of when I would spend my time writing. So uh, when it comes to making that industry leap, you really have to sacrifice kind of your side life. I felt like, I mean, I was literally working three jobs at one point. One was freelance, the other was part-time, and then my full-time job in healthcare. Just kind of always writing, always trying to improve, always trying to learn more about the industry and improve uh, while also kind of keeping all my bases covered because sports analogy, I don't even watch sports, as far as healthcare. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, it does. It it just feels like like there's so much going on, and to make that your that leap is just such a vast. I don't know. I want. I don't know if it was like a faith thing, but more like you had the criteria. You had your 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 toe in in the pool. You know. So. Yeah. So uh, my my transition to healthcare from healthcare to uh, creative was was more supposed to be like a like a five year jump. And I was about two years in at the time. I had started working part-time for Beetle and Grimm's. I met them in 2018 at Gen Con 50, I want to say 51, 52. Um, and I met their booth, met them at their booth. I talked to Bill Rahor, uh, one of my bosses and founders of uh, Beetle and Grimm's. Uh, he's also works in healthcare. He's an emergency department director. And I was wearing a shirt for my hospital that coincidentally ended up the same name as his hospital when I met him. So we, we kind of bonded over that, the idea of trying to make ends meet uh, every day with a job while also kind of setting your hopes and your dreams on this sep second sort of uh, aspiration. And uh, so I would email him about once a month uh, just different things about tabletop and ideas about products and feedback about what they'd done so far. And eventually, about a year later, I worked for... Beetle and Grimm's at Gen Con 52 or 53, whatever, whenever it was in 2019. And I had given them a printout, basically, of something I had written, uh, Devil's Advocate, uh, this Infernal Contracts Guide. And I kind of told them, hey, you know, here's what else I can do. If there's anything, you know, just kind of always reiterating, here's what I, here are my expertise, here's where I can be of use, that sort of thing. And eventually, uh, when I did that, they gave me they let me work the booth once. And I think it was at that moment they realized this person kind of is tr trustworthy. You know, if you can have someone work their booth and they, they don't, it's not a total disaster, they're like, okay, well, maybe we can give them some more responsibility. And it was at that moment that they started giving me some more part-time stuff. I worked on bonus encounters and all kinds of things like that. And um, honestly did not expect to be full-time for them until after at least after September of this year. But the opportunity was there. The biggest concern for me was always, uh, you know, we all live in the U.S., is healthcare and security. And coming from full-time and seeing some of the other freelancers in the field who are full-time freelance just always grinding, always chasing opportunities. And some of them enjoy it. And I think others are somewhat miserable. And I really did not want to be constantly chasing freelance. I didn't think I had the speed of um, writing that some of those other full-time freelancers have. And so 
when that full-time opportunity popped open at Beetle and Grimm's and they wanted to hire me, you know, it comes with health care. It comes with what you would associate with a, a, a job job. Yeah, I leaped on that 100%. And um, I, don't, I don't think I would ever go full-time freelance if I continue to move, uh, you know, in gaming. If for some reason I were ever be at a different company, I, would, I wouldn't take anything less than full-time. That's an amazing journey. I really love that you've kind of put yourself out there and then you had that like chance connection, like the same name of the same hospital, just why wear that to a Gen Con, but you had it on and he had it on too. So that's just an awesome happenstance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that was lucky. And I would say too, like if there's any advice for someone is uh, don't shotgun your application just be very direct and know where you want to be and know which companies you want to work for and target them like and go for it because i feel like if i had gone to 10 booths and sent out 10 emails to 10 different project coordinators or what have you i don't think that they would have the same kind of drive and the same sort of passion in each email and i think it'd be harder to keep up with when I got to the booth for Beetle and Grimm's, I, I actually bought a product for them the very first time I was there. So that was their very first box. They had a 10% discount going on. They actually couldn't show all the parts of the box because they didn't have a prior box before and Wizards had not revealed a ton of details about Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And yeah. They were a new partner. So they couldn't show. They could only show their prototypes for a makeshift box for Cloud Giant's Bargain, which was a made-up I think it was a third-party adventure that they did a, a prototype box for that Bill has now. Gotcha. And uh, I saw their materials, and I thought, wow, this is something I could really use. This is a product I really believe in. And I really don't think there were any other companies that I was really talking to like that, and it's because I really believed in what they were making. So when you say, like, talking to them like that, like, there was other people, but not as with the same, like, fervor, like, I guess, passion you did with Beatles and Grimm? Yeah, I think it's normal in this industry to, you know, engage with other brands and other personalities and people who work at these companies. I mean, you see, uh, like, Wormwood post-RPG things, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have Dwarven Forge, so I'm a fan of their company and their company's culture, and I know people on their team, and, like, a lot of the dice manufacturers, Die Hard Dice... Uh, you know, a lot of them have people who are pretty prominent in the community that I, I like and respect. And I think it's normal to talk with those people and, and know those relationships or, or build those relationships with them. One as you know, potential partners for us here as a company, but also just other young professionals in this industry, uh, you know, in healthcare at, at my, my former job, I was, I think I was the youngest manager on my team. And I'm pretty liberal. Texas is not very liberal. And it was hard to make connections there. I think there was only one other person that I connected with who was a former uh, graduate of the same program that I came out of. And he also liked video games and kind of nerdy stuff. So (laughs) we would have lunch occasionally and uh, talk about what's going on in my freelance career, what's going on in D&D, that sort of stuff. That's awesome. You had Mm -hmm. someone there to like kind of like continue that conversation in that work life but yeah i totally yeah understand. It, was, it was very sporadic i'd say it wasn't <laughs> i think it's almost like you're speaking a different language when you're you're talking to people who like 
have never heard of Dungeons and Dragons, never heard of tabletop, don't it's it's very different. If I said like I'm writing a book, they'd ask what's your book about. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to explain to somebody who's never played a game. So people who don't even like board games beyond say like Monopoly, like when they think of a board game, they think of you know like Trouble or Monopoly or Life. Uh, Sorry, those yeah, things. Scrabble, like these these classic games mm-hmm. that have been the same game since like 1980s. <laughs> they have no concept of games like Scythe or Pandemic or you know all of these great games that have just come out over the past you know 10 20 years. Oh yeah. Um, and so yeah, there's definitely a disconnect there. And I I did find some people up in radiology who. Uh, <laughs> uh, who actually knew D&D that liked it. And that was like right before I'm on my way out. And he, he likes my uh, tweets sometimes and we'll chat. And uh, He's a cool guy. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I live out in the middle of nowhere, so nobody really knows when I, when I start speaking like, yeah, I got to go interview. And they're like, Adrian, you're leaving. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm doing a podcast about D&D. And like, okay, whatever. We understand. Uh, go away. <laughs> they're not that interested. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you're like how D&D started out in that like you had to convert people to find players. There was no online oh, yeah. market, there was no streams you could watch. It's just like hey, do you want to play this game with me? Let's try it out and you're just constantly trying to keep a group together. I was I did that for my when I worked in a, a restaurant back in Lubbock. I had like I was all about D&D and there was only a handful like two or three people I talked to, but I converted like eight or ten people from the from different shifts so That's i'd have awesome. like a meeting after work and we just all play and that was so fun unfortunately i had to leave lubbock and i didn't really keep in contact with some of them. like i got some guy to buy like the whole like alternative covers of the dmg monster manual and player's handbook and i think i played with him like five times after that but then i left <laughs> and i never i'm like i feel like i converted him and just left him on the floor <laughs> like i didn't give yeah. him any outlets to go elsewhere because i was like the only dm he knew that's how it is it's like guess what you're the dm now i'm leaving <laughs> exactly i mean yeah if you want to keep playing somebody has to take it up oh yeah for sure in there in there yeah alex you got any questions how does your dad feel about your job right now? <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this uh, just yesterday. Uh, my dad and my mom, it's kind of interesting. They did not, yeah, they were unsure when I started doing this sort of thing. They were they were proud of me. Somebody put it really well in a, in a reply to, to a tweet I posted this week. And they were like, they're, because I feel like they're proud of me now, especially some of the stuff that I've been working on lately and starting to kind of try and put more of my culture in what I write, you know, a culture that really is not truly understood and really just does not have any representation in a lot of industries, not just uh, D&D, but elsewhere. It's just, but I think they're proud, but somebody said like, they're, they're proud of you because you have a job where you're making a living and you're secure in a creative field. Like, I think if I had gone full-time freelance, I think it would be a slightly different story right. because, because that, that road is, it's, it's, you know, feast or famine. Uh, you have periods where things are going really well and you have other periods where it's a struggle. And, uh, but I think, I think they're proud. They like, I mean, I don't live anywhere near my family now. I was the kind of the, the black sheep who moved away. They live up in Nashville, Tennessee, a little in a city called Murfreesboro. 
uh, just outside and I see them I used to see them about two times a year but now with the flexibility of my job and the fact that like I'm going to conventions and stuff I can actually see them more often and they retired so having the flexibility of working from home that they like a lot at the end of this month I'm going to go out to Florida and I'll be able to work from a hotel where they're going to be lounging on the beach and we'll make food together and the fact that they get to see more of me is um, it's really special and it's something that I could not have done in healthcare unless I was maybe like a coder or something yeah so that's always good news being able to be with the people you want to be with and not restricted to like okay I got three days out of this whole year that I can spend time with you when do you want them <laughs> yeah yeah are we doing are we doing Thanksgiving or are we doing uh, Christmas? What are we doing? <laughs> right. I mean, and it, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of morbid the the realization too of like you start counting those days and you you think I have these many vacations that I can go do this and if I travel up it's an 11-hour drive, so that takes 2 days out of all my PTO days and I need to save this many for these and you know, with, with Beetle and Grimm's when I was part-time, those conventions, I was budgeting my PTO. It was kind of interesting that COVID happened when it did because those days would have all been paid time off. And I, I, I would have had maybe, I think, like eight, nine days left after everything that I could go see my family. So I would have only been able to see them once that year, maybe on my drive up to, to Gen Con, yeah. um, passing through Tennessee on my way to Indianapolis. And yeah, that's that's sad you know so uh and and arguably i have more pto at that job than i did at a lot of other jobs that i've worked and a lot of other jobs that i know other people i know work um right it's kind of that there's that two weeks plus federal holidays kind of expectation in in the u.s sometimes and nobody ever really stops and thinks wow two weeks is not a lot of time that is really two weeks it's like what one fiftieth of the year basically it's <laughs> They're too busy working to even think about that. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of like the sad reality. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's America, and that's that's the way labor is here. And uh, you know, it's in Texas, things are a little bit, I'd say, a little bit worse than than a lot of the states. But um, I think I had a pretty good gig, and even then, making that jump is hard. And I think that kind of goes back to, you know, everybody has degrees of, of privilege, and. Mm -hmm. There are certain jobs that you can work that are better predisposed to trying to make that leap. Um, you know, jobs that have strict cutoffs at five that you don't need to think about your work outside of it. And then there's other ones that your work bleeds those lines. And it's very hard to get into a writing mood or film content or, you know, stream if your work can interrupt those hours or if you can't put your mind off of it. So... I think I was lucky in that respect, and uh, I mean, I'll be grateful for it for forever. And also, my my boss was always pretty cool with me taking off to go do a convention. And I think, uh, I mean, when I told them I was leaving, it was bittersweet, but they were happy for me, and they kind of knew that that was hap that was going to happen eventually. They just thought, kind of like me, they thought it was going to happen a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, when you said like your work bleeds over, there's like. I work in case management, and one week out of the month, I'm always on call for those that one week, those five days. So anytime they can call me in for a crisis. And I'm just like, yeah. 
I don't want to stop an interview. I don't want to stream. I can't even think about like my home game like outside because I'm always like in the back of my mind. It's like creeping. Like you're going to get called in. You have to stop your session. You're going to get called in. You're going to get out of the like editing mood. And it's just like, it just always kind of ruins the flow of work. But I think that eventually I'll get to a point where I'll have it all managed or I'll move on to something you know, greater, get my master's, but we'll see what happens. But when you said like bleed over, like I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's scary. I mean, when I was, I was a revenue integrity analyst for Baylor Scott and White for a while. And this was before I started writing probably a year or two before I started writing. And so all of my outlet was all of that energy was spent making a campaign that I was proud of, you know, putting all the energy into writing great descriptions and planning out things and, and telling a good story for my players that was so heavily invested in their characters. And I would literally have a writing pad in front of me that, you know, we were in a cubicle office and when ideas would come, I would, I would write them down. But I also had to be careful because I was at work and uh, that, that environment was a little bit more serious and uh, it, it if somebody walked behind and started asking questions about what I was writing and they said, Oh, let me see your notes or something like, Oh, that would have been pretty stressful. So yeah, it was just trying to externalize as much time as I could. And, and the reality I think is that many, many, many full-time jobs, they don't need a 40 hour work week, five days a week. Like, and like things are standardized now in the U S I think some jobs can be done if, if people could get a day off we had a three-day weekend every week i think people could probably do it now that's that's of course not always the case there are some jobs like restaurants or emts and things like that that definitely you, you need to be there the whole time but uh it's uh it's it's tough to to continue to create in environments that are kind of more oppressive for that that don't give you any free time that don't that you're counting down the hours to win that that uh that clock hits five or yeah five thirty or whenever it is, so you can go home and do what you really want to do. Yeah, no, totally get that. Um, Alex, do you get that? <laughs> uh, look, <laughs> I have no idea how to separate my job from my life. As a teacher, that it's always on my mind. Michael and I talk about it like eighty-seven percent of our day especially it's summertime and you know i am a i am a high achieving although my grades didn't show it like i like to learn i like to study i like to do all those things and now that i understand myself as an adult i am still doing those so i've been out of school you know for a month now but i'm still taking classes that I'm not getting paid for. They're just extra time for me to better my class. I'm doing a 200 hour yoga certification with a emphasis in social, social emotional learning. And I mean, that's, yeah. I'm doing heavy work now. It's a lot of therapy stuff. And I've, you know, Monday and Tuesday, I have class from 11 to five, which doesn't sound like it's that bad, but when we are talking about your feelings and, you know, uncovering things about yourself, it's, it's miserable. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, even that I'm 
I'm looking at other, I have another program I want to do and it's all self-study and, you know, how do you balance doing two different courses and then, you know, dealing with, with the bereavement of my father and then being the caregiver in that situation. Then, you know, never mind the time with my spouse or my personal time. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I just do an activity until I feel done with the activity and then I switch activities. And then when I'm done with that activity, I just go back to something else or I find a third activity. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. My, uh, there was a point at which my wife, she's a teacher and, uh, she, yeah, she's working all the time as well. And there was a moment where, you know, you talk about like work-life balance to where, I mean, even now I work a lot of nights just because I'm pursuing freelance projects and I'm passionate about and uh, there was a moment, I think, last year where I just had so many things overlapping on top of my day job, on top of everything. And she was in actually like a more calm period of her job for once. And she like wanted to go do something. And I was like, I, I was like, I can't. I, was, I have to finish this. I have to finish this. And I had spent so many days at this, at our, uh, this little island in our house just writing and everything. She turned towards me and she said... Um, is this what it's like being married to a teacher? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I am okay during the school year. Or I felt like I was, but I last semester was my first semester teaching ever. And I felt like once I got my class set up, because I had to do that in the middle of a pandemic and all of that, once I, I figured out sort of what I needed to be doing, it was a lot easier but right now I have the energy and time to put forth towards bettering myself. And so I'm still just as tired as I am during the normal school year. Mm -hmm. You also have like a lot of your on your plate currently as well. Like, you know, I can't. Okay. So here's ahead. how I feel about this. It, I can't control that. I don't understand how to take things off of my plate, especially with a big trauma in front of me. Mm -hmm. Like, that's life. So, and I don't know if this is healthy. I don't know. I'm, I do what I can, and I'm trying to let go of not being perfect. But I also don't understand not continuing my life as well. Gotcha. Maybe, Maybe that sounds terrible. Like, cool, your dad's dead. Bye. I mean, like, eventually you should be able to get to a point where you're okay with the fact, but I don't know if like, you know, there's different timelines for different individuals on how close you were and all that stuff. Sorry. I mean, just going into some psychology stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is the and degrees part of our, <laughs> our podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm hopefully you'll get my master's and I'll be better at counseling and stuff. <laughs> Every time I got to tell people when they're like, Adrian, give me advice. I'm like, okay, first of all, not a therapist. Don't want to get you know, flagged, okay? Just FYI. <laughs> but yeah, I just, it, it, you have a lot and I think that it's tough. I don't know. You seem like the individual that doesn't know how to say no, thank you. I don't know. Is that true? <laughs> like, uh... I can't take this on right now. No, thank you. Or like, okay, fine, whatever. Put it next to all the other stuff that's going on in my life. I feel like I've been better, right? So you and I had conversations about pausing and we paused. Yeah. I felt I needed to return and come back and, and have some sense of normalcy. And maybe that's just me searching for control right now. Mm -hmm. That, you know, 
But the other part of me was like, you have to get back to some semblance of your routines and your life prior to this monumental moment. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I, I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be, I don't want to do that to the memory that I have of my dad. I think if I stopped and I stopped progressing, especially in this movement that I have right now in the last year of just, you know, getting my shit together, I feel like if, if he was here now in a ghostly form, mm -hmm. he'd be like, ah, shit, Alexandria, what the, what are you doing? <laughs> Alexandria, get it together. And like, that's what's motivating me. And maybe I'm using that as an excuse. Maybe that's something else. But if I have a reason to wake up and not sleep all day if I'm focused on school or if I'm focused on getting my classroom prepped. I'm not completely drowning and lost. Right. I have procrastinated a little bit, but all of that feels like it's fine. It doesn't feel too heavy right now. Never mind that I almost had two panic attacks today. Like, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, you're doing the best you can. I mean, I think kind of going into scheduling, like being able to compartmentalize what you're doing and being able to like, okay, I need to do this now. So I'm not, you know, taking up the whole day of just sleeping in because the big depression, okay, <laughs> um, the big sad. So I think that you're coping with it the way you know how to cope with it. And I think that's a good step. I know that it might not be the normal that you want currently, but I think it's getting there. I did have a little bit of big sad. I did turn my alarm clock off for about two weeks and that was causing more stress afterwards. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, ah, shit, I'm waking up at 9.30 and for the last six months I've been waking up at five. Right. I could be doing so much with that four and a half hours. <laughs> no, no. But uh, I think it's important, though, to, to take time for yourself. And I think that kind of turning it a little, like in creative endeavors like we did, we took two weeks or like a whole month off from recording because we had to, to deal with our own stuff <laughs> and you know in order to that's fine though right yeah I, sometimes you gotta take care of things make sure that like your work doesn't suffer because you're just pushing forward like i can, i have to go on because i'm supposed to go on you, know, you should be able to like i need to take a break so that my work doesn't suffer because i'm on this drag <laughs> kind of thing yeah, but going back to, you know, what Justin was saying, it's so hard to break yourself of that mentality, especially, you know, with the American workforce the way it is. Like, I should always be productive. I should always be doing something. I always have to have a side downtime. hustle kind of thing. <laughs> I have to be working. If I'm not working on something else, what am I doing? I'm not like a functional person. I'm not, I mean, that's what I've seen, at least from like social media, just like blasting like, this is what I'm doing on the side. I'm like, okay, cool. I've, uh, I've made my bed today. <laughs> Walked my dog. <laughs> Reorganized my animal crossing garden. <laughs> hey, that's valid though. Those are tasks you accomplished and <laughs> they give you life. Like sometimes like just getting one thing done is all you need to do. One, do the dishes or, make your bed or something that and that's like the first step to getting out of those ruts yeah no i, I totally guess agree. how do you how do you justice break your like writer's block if you have it 
um yeah i mean uh, i i joke with my uh, friend anthony i've written him with him a few times that i'm that i'm the embodiment of spongebob in that uh episode where he's doing the cook-off with neptune and neptune <laughs> makes literally 1000 patties and in that whole time spongebob makes a single crabby patty and i think sometimes it's just about getting something on paper i think that i externalize a lot of my writer's block by falling things over moving on and just kind of always thinking about the game i mean there's not a moment where i'm not actively looking for ideas i keep a few notebooks and i have open notes on my phone so that anytime some sort of inspiration comes up i write it down if i think it could be cool but i don't know where it's going to go and then sometimes when i get hit with with writer's block i'll go back and i'll look over that list and i'll say oh wow like i had an idea about an accordion player and he's really angry like what's his deal Maybe that could go here, but there are times where, yeah, I, I struggle to get a sentence done, and uh, I, I sit at it, and I will sit at it for, I'll sit on a paragraph or a page and for a long time, and it'll get pretty late, and for me, it's just, here's the word count I need to hit for the day. I, I used to do it when I was a kid. I always thought reading was kind of hard, and I would divide the book out by how many pages I needed to read each day, and if I missed a day, I would increase all the other days such that... You know, I would get it done by the deadline, and I do the same thing with my writing now. I and I give myself a few days because I know things happen. So, if I have a deadline, I look ahead. I say I have to write ten thousand words. I have a hundred days, so whatever that math is, <laughs> and uh, I give myself. I take a few days off, and uh, I divide that by however many, and I try my best to hit that goal every day. And sometimes the words aren't perfect. Some days. I write 500 words and other days I write 300 words, but I try my best when things are flowing to get a little head to, to save me some time in the future. Cause I know that, yeah, that writer's block is going to happen. And other things I do, I keep a, a document called spicy sentence structures. Nice. Nice. <laughs> where, I, <laughs> where I write like just dope sentences I found. And I think about the way they're structured. I think about it is sometimes it's as simple as, introductory phrase, subject, comma, you know, such and such. And sometimes I'll think about what am I trying to say here? What's the main idea? Then I'll go back to my spicy sentence structure and I'll say, oh, right, I forgot about this cool way that they introduced this location in Descent into Avernus and I'll mirror that structure. And I'll say, I could probably introduce this place in the same way. It's some, there's some overlap there. And eventually, I'm sure that this document is going to get so big that it's unwieldy. <laughs> but for those moments that, like, I'm really stuck, having some backup plans of some places to go, I, I constantly write down words that I like. Um, I just subscribe to some mailing list. Uh, it's called, I think, the, the New York Times. It's wordsmith.org. And the quote, if you go to this website, it looks like, is one of the first pages created on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so basic. Like like there's a gray bar at the top. It's it uses like Arial font. There are like blue links, no pictures whatsoever. The only graphic on the entire thing is the New York Times logo and their quote about them. And that's all there is. And that's arguably a font. 
and they called it the most welcomed, most enduring piece of daily mass email in cyberspace. And that's what it is. They send you an email every day. It's a word of the day. And so far, I have found it really helpful to thinking of new words and uh, how to incorporate them. And another thing I do, I, I get a lot of ideas from music. I like Lord Huron and um, Hozier and different artists like that. And I mean, songs are poetry and and oftentimes I find myself inspired by just a line or a word or two, and um, I will put that into my own writing. I will think, oh, this is probably not that what they meant by this line, but this is what I think of because I have a fantasy brain. And <laughs> how does that work in fantasy brain? Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. There's a line in, uh, there's a Hozier song where uh, he talks about the otherness and this idea that like the otherness came after you or something like that and it was what partially inspired this group of uh dream-based ancestries that i wrote for mcdm and i thought about wow if these there are these creatures that can steal dreams and stuff maybe they serve something that when you wake up and you didn't have a dream that's who they were serving they took it from you and they gave it to some elder evil called the otherness and uh, it's abstract and cool, and I wrote it down, and it, it was cool, and it became a thing. Nice. So, yeah, so I guess the answer is I do get writer's block, but I, I, I'm trying to always be thinking of things so that I'm prepared with a backup idea when that happens. Yeah. It sounds like you're just really good at using your resources, too, and that's, you know, I think what a lot of people forget that, there are so many resources and they're free. And, you know, if you're thinking ahead and preparing for a storm, then when the storm hits, it's not going to be nearly as bad. Yeah, for sure. I think, and I think that's what helps with like academics and going through school and working jobs that are not creative is that you build framework for skill sets that aren't common. You know, uh, we read a book called The Checklist Manifesto in healthcare that made a big impact on me and, and how I think about being prepared and accomplishing tasks. And it's all about the safe surgery checklists, the first ones and how they came to that process and how it's based off of airline checklists. You know, these, these, these books that pilots refer to because there's no way you can hold all of this knowledge in your head all the time that they have these checklists that they go to. They pull up a, you know, if if your plane is going down, they will go to this checklist, they'll pull it up, and they will check everything on that list to make sure all of these things are in order. Because if that's going down, it's scary. Your, your brain is discombobulated. You're not sure what's going on. You're probably stressed. So having that to fall back on. And that made a big impact on the way that this document for spicy sentence structures is based. <laughs> I have a checklist for things that I like about good adventures. And... When I'm reviewing my adventures, I look at this and I say, you know, is this encounter interesting? Does it does it hit these notes of what I consider a good encounter? This is my safe encounter checklist. Um, did I challenge things? Is the representation good in it? Are there too many male characters? Are characters of marginalized groups, are they portrayed in positions of strength rather than vulnerability? And Things like that, that things that when you're on autopilot, you forget them sometimes. And I think that for people who are not coming from creative fields, we do have things to offer this industry. And some people might think that a safe surgery checklist is super boring. 
But I think when you see its application and you see that the adventure that it can help create, that you kind of realize, yeah, maybe I've underestimated this degree that I have. Maybe I underestimated those those hours that I spent, you know, watching some video when I worked at McDonald's <laughs> on a burger going through a line. But when you start to think, how could this relate to what I'm doing here? And you start applying it, you find that a lot of a lot of stuff that isn't explicitly labeled as creative is surprisingly applicable uh, to writing, producing, p filming, all kinds of things. Does that make sense? I think yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, giving yourself like an organizational checklist makes sense, especially if you've created it for you and the, your writing style and you found your voice. It, I mean, easily, I wrote it down. That's going to be something I do for my lesson plans. Like, what does this lesson plan look like? What are the bare minimum that I require to be a part of this? And I think on days that I don't feel like doing that, I'm like, all right, I, I have my checklist. I know it's successful. This is it. Yeah, and I think that's you know? something that yeah. I've learned from a, I guess, non-creative space was just being able to call people for appointments and to be able to, like, cold call other individuals to be like in the interviews and everything like i had so much anxiety asking people to be on the show for the longest time and and slowly but surely it's been shedding off and that's because i have to talk to potent like new clients every day i'm like hey you have an appointment blah blah blah. but like i had so much like pent up like just do it what if they say no what if they're angry what if they're in a bad mood like no just just talk just it's your job let's just kind of focus on that and now i've been able to kind of switch that to my creative endeavors like just talk to them if they say no if they're in the bad mood that's fine you've dealt with <laughs> bad moods you've worked in food you know what bad moods are <laughs> yeah i know I, I i mean i completely agree i think that one of the most formative moments for me in remaining professional with people i mean you you see people sometimes on twitter and 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 some of these more open forums kind of almost burn bridges with companies sometimes in exchange for engagement for a day or two. But I, I think that the day that I was working at a McDonald's and a man like screamed at me in my face or the top of his lungs over like a 25 cent charge on his ranch dressing packet that he wanted was what like broke me, but also helps that patience develop. And I know that when something really upsets me i can stand up i can i can walk away like i've been through these these moments and my patience has grown because of them and uh, i'm better for it dear so. listener here is a friendly reminder to never yell at service workers ever they're yes, unacceptable yeah <laughs> they're just doing their jobs this guy was like i was gonna tip you well but you forgot 10 cents and i'm like uh, I'm sorry, we don't have change right now, but I'll give you a dollar back <laughs> all right now. And he just like walked away with the dollar. So like I'm down 90 cents now. I'm like, okay, that's, if you were going to tip well, the 10 cents would have been nothing. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm running the whole kitchen right now <laughs> as well. Uh, fun stuff. And you just like smile and like, here you go, sir. And they're just yelling at you. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Man, oh, I'm so sorry. Like trying my best to like, I can't do anything right now. Just listen. Just keep going. 
Yeah, no, that's a big soapbox. I also will watch other customers' behaviors towards people. And I am not afraid to step right in and say, hey, you need to calm down. This is not their job. Because you're like, half the time, you're at like fucking Walmart. And the old lady is yelling at like a 17-year-old child. Like, mm -hmm. really, ma'am? You think that this person can control the prices at Walmart? You think that the person that you're talking to is going to have that control? They are this not Mr. or Mrs. Walmart. No. <laughs> oh. All right, we've... we've... Yeah, those... Yeah. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, <laughs> you can tell a lot about a person by how they treat service workers. Oh, yeah. So, so many stories, but let's jump back <laughs> into D&D real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Literally half of my work experience right there. Yeah. Okay. So, Justice, what kind of got you into D&D itself? Because you said that you've done, I guess, was it theater in college or high school? Yeah, I did a bunch of community theater when I was in uh, high school and undergraduate. This is not how I found D&D, though. That was just uh, mostly for fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it and uh, lots of musicals and things like that. But I actually found... I mean, I always played video games, and I liked board games, and I don't think we had many, like, newer board games when I was growing up, but, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I played PlayStation with my friends, I wasted countless, well, not wasted, I spent countless hours playing <laughs> Super Smash Brothers with my with my best friends in the neighborhood, and, and then uh, when I was in my undergraduate, my senior year, there was someone who invited me to play some Dungeons & Dragons in my apartment complex, and... He was now rooming with an old roommate of mine, and he said, hey, like, do you want to come hang out with me and Brian? We're going to play Dungeons and & Dragons. And I was like, you know, is that that, is that, that game where you're in the basement with the, uh, the costumes and, like, the, <laughs> the big paper thing in front of you, and you're rolling, like, 100-sides dice and all that? And he's like, he's like, e kind of, but basically, yes. <laughs> and uh, he's like, but we don't do costumes. And I'm like, okay, well. And I I threw out some ridiculous character concept. You know, kind of like lighthearted, joking with him. Like, could I play like a powdered wig minotaur named Beethoven or something like that? And he was like, yeah, you could do that. And I was like, okay, I'll be there. And I came over early and we made that character. And that was my first character. He, he welded a musket. His, his name was Beethoven. He had a harpsichord that he carried on his back everywhere. <laughs> nice. And, but when you hit it, it was kind of like a Casio keyboard and that like set to the drum setting. <laughs> and he was ridiculous, but I ended up really liking the game. And that was in 2013. And uh, a few years in, you know, we finished our campaign. A lot of us moved and I moved down to Texas and started DMing. And it was uh, it's kind of history from there on. Nice. I, I love that, like, a lot of, from my experience as bringing people into the fold of D&D, &D, like, their first character is either, like, very Lord of the Rings-esque, or it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Uh, it's, like, the two types of, like, new players I've met. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I knew fantasy. Mm -hmm. Like, I always, I think fantasy is just so interwoven in society. Like, the tropes are very familiar. Where I mean, where yeah. you read books that are fantasy and in school, you're familiar with dragons, they're everywhere, knights, all that sort of stuff. So I think by the time I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, like, I knew tropes, but I mean, spells and all that sort of stuff, I don't think is, is really flushed out in 
much media. Maybe now, probably more so than when I started. But uh, but no, I mean, I fell pretty comfortably into it, and I just kept coming back because of the people. It was just fun to hang out with everybody, make jokes. Uh, you know, we would always eat before, and just kind of failing together was just a lot of fun. Bad rolls and laughter, and that's I think that's why a lot of people keep playing it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Making that story together is 100% why I keep coming back to it. You know, you have your GM, and he kind of controls some of the pieces, but the players are very important, because without it, it's kind of just you talking about a story and making your own story. But with the players and the dice, it's just like, am I going to succeed or fail? How am I going to succeed and fail? Also, as the players are like, okay, this is how I want to do it. And they're like, they explain it with so much joy and just enjoyment. And when they fail, they like, the friends chime in, dude, you totally did it this way. And everyone laughs and it's just amazing feeling. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think I'm got, hold on. Sorry, mentally just checking back in. I don't know. I was in a dream. Uh, <laughs> Fever state. Yeah, no. When I start talking about that stuff, I just, my imagination starts to run. The, it's like you're passionate or something about it, Adrian. That's I just, crazy. I, a little. It's wild. Just... <laughs> it's not like justice uplifted his whole life to like, follow this creative passion despite his parents first generation you know doing something that maybe is not 100 percent stable but it feels pretty stable now yeah now that he's got the, the full-time stable. Self-care probably but uh <laughs> but i get to talk more about dragons than i did when i worked in healthcare. heck yeah no it's was... a definite plus yeah well i'm glad that i'm not saying that it can't have i don't know I, don't know. I want it to happen, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen to like be in a creative field like that for me. So I always feel like I always have to kind of prioritize this job that I have to further what I need for the future. Like I love this stuff. I love doing interviewing people, talking about their passion, see how that, what drives them. And but I'm always like, but always kind of keep yourself centered on what you have currently and what's available to you now, kind of ideology. Yeah, at least think, for me. I mean, another thing about making this kind of leap is just, like, it doesn't have to happen overnight. Mine was a lot faster than I planned for. Like, I, and in in some ways, that, that made me more uncertain to do it at times. Just that fear. And, I mean, you have people who are in this industry for 10, 20 years before they lend their name to, like, a big hardcover or can go part-time with the company or... It's, it, you know, you work at the pace that you can. I know people who they have kids and they have jobs and, and I don't have any kids. If I had a kid, I bet it would be really hard for me to do as much writing as I do. And admittedly, I don't have that much writing uh, <laughs> to show. It's It takes time for me. So I, I would I would guess that if, if I had something else taking my time, I would probably be about as quarter a quarter of as productive as I am. So, like, work at the pace that you can, and, you know, things take time, but it's not going anywhere. Yeah. RPGs are just getting bigger every year, and you know, if there's 50 million D&D players, people are starting to play more indie games. There's lots of stream shows now, so there's I feel like there's more jobs now than there were 10 years ago. Yeah, no, I'm starting to see that, and I, I always feel like I'm always one step behind something that 
like a creative creative endeavor when looking at things and like oh I should have posted up for that job or that position or oh I should have went to signed up for that class but I was like two minutes late and that class slot just got filled up but you know it took me a little bit longer than usual to finish a bachelor's because I took two years off so I think as long as I'm moving forward in a in some sort of capacity that I'm doing the right thing I mean that's my mentality of it so I'm just I'm just glad to be part at least part of somebody's like journey or just like talking to those who are on that journey because it always inspires me to keep going forward with what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Adrian, what? I don't know if you know that you're doing the thing like right now. I'm do I'm so doing like, a thing. <laughs> you're doing it. Like you're doing the creative D and D. I don't know if you remember, but you just wrote a module too. I, I mean, I'm, it's it's a work in progress, and, it, and it's <laughs> utter trash. I, I, I that's how I look at it right now. I need to work on it some more. I know you. I did it well for the stream, but it was because I had to cut and paste and like rearrange things on the fly. So it's not module worthy yet. Adrian can run that thing backwards and forwards, but cannot write it on paper yet. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's part of it. I mean, this is your first time translating a a campaign or a module for the mass media because before you've been writing for yourself. You've been writing for your brain so your notes don't have to be complete. They don't have to be broad enough for all audiences. It's just for you and you you're doing the thing just a friendly reminder um to you cuz it sounds a little bit anxiety and negative coming from your side but you got a you've got a job where you are also passionate yeah and you have <laughs> this side of it that you are also passionate about you can have more than one passion no one's stopping you from doing it true and like don't feel bad stop do that stop stop doing that there's uh there's always that desire to chase something else to that you're not you know making progress but if you stop and look at where you were before you know you'll you're you're doing it yeah and there's happiness there yeah no there is and i'm excited i'm excited to see where it goes thank you i i don't have anything we're about to hit the hour mark so i don't want to go too over time i gotta give you the rest of your Justice. day <laughs> yeah you got anything to plug oh gosh do i have anything to plug <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> that's that's the hard part about things now uh is it's i feel like uh yeah there's a lot i can't talk about so just yeah i plug my twitter you know follow me at justice armin on twitter justicearmin.com my website there's something coming out this month that i i wrote for a few months ago that's really cool can't tell you what it is but if you follow me you'll find out about it and then there's all kinds of my past projects on my website and then we just, uh, we're shipping our silver edition of uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft at Beetle and Grimm's. And I was a co-producer on that box. So everything you see in there, I was involved with in some way or another. So check it out. Very spooky. Very cool. It's almost spooky season, y'all. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Justice. It's been a blast having you on and talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I liked it a lot. All right. Wonderful. Thank you, dear listener, for following us for another episode. You can follow us on all the social medias. You can also find us on our Discord. Come have conversations. You could even ask our upcoming guests questions. So maybe if we get the 
the big well i was gonna say blm but that's not that wouldn't that yeah i know it translates different translate to what we <laughs> wanted to. uh maybe if we ever get the big brennan lee mulligan you guys can ask your own questions but you can only do that if you follow us or you you add your add your beautiful soul to our discord you can also find us on patreon if you want to help support us monetarily we know that times are tough so it's not a requirement but we would we love every bit of support please also rate us five stars on apple podcast and share with your friends and family all right don't be dicks to customer service representatives yes yes 100 percent. yes <laughs> yes <laughs> all right well thank you all so much for listening my name's adrian I'm Alex. Go have some fun.